Welcome to The Backpack, a podcast from Christ Community Church in Shelbyville, Kentucky. On The Backpack, we want to prepare you for the journey outside where following Jesus meets real life. Hey, welcome to The Backpack. My name's DJ, I'm one of your hosts, and thanks for joining me back at The Canteen, one of our regular segments where we feature sermons from the preaching ministry here at Christ Community Church. This week, we continue on in our series on the Gospel of Luke as we look at the life and ministry of Jesus in Luke chapter 6. CCC member Alan Witham brings us this week's message, looking at the collection of disciples that Jesus called and what we can learn about our own calling from the men who Jesus called and the way in which he called them. So let's listen in to Alan as he opens up the Word and brings us this week's message. Good morning. Good to be with you today. I want to thank Pastor Blake for the opportunity to be able to share the word today. And I want to say my thanks to my pastor for uh, regularly, faithfully feeding me when I attend Christ Community Church and hear the word of God proclaimed. I want to not only thank Pastor Blake, but I want to thank our elders. Would you join me in just affirming me and thanking me? Thank you. We're continuing our series this morning from the Gospel of Luke. So if you will turn with me to Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 12, and we'll read the following verses. Would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples, and he chose from them twelve whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have the the privilege to read it. Thank you for the the teaching ministry of your Holy Spirit that takes your word and makes it meaningful. You you, uh, help the word to become more than just a book, more than just words on a page. But we realize that what we've read is your word. And Father, I pray that through the work and the ministry of your Holy Spirit that you will speak to us this morning. I pray that uh, we would leave differently than when we came because uh, we have been in your presence, we have heard your word, and we've uh, been motivated and encouraged to live out and obey your word. And so, Father, I pray that you will change us and shape us into what you want us to become. Uh, Father, I, I thank you for this account of the calling of what we know as the 12 apostles and we pray that we will not just treat this as a history lesson though we realize this is something that actually occurred 
we pray that we will see how this passage applies to us in our life today. Uh, I, I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Most all of us have received on our cell phone a message that goes something like this. Can you take a call? And maybe we are at the time busy reading or busy writing or busy on a computer or maybe even driving, and we get this message, can you take a call? And for a brief moment, our life is interrupted and we're asked a question about whether or not that person can gain access to a portion of our time and a portion of our life at that moment. I want us to think about this question, can you take a call in light of this passage of Scripture? Why? Because this passage of Scripture is about 12 men who received a call from God to specific ministry leadership assignments. This morning I want us to note four things about this passage. The first thing is this. When making big decisions like choosing leaders, Jesus didn't ask for volunteers, but he prayed for the Father's leadership and guidance. Let's look back at verse number 12. Verse number 12 begins with these words, in these days, and then it says he went out to the mountain to pray. I want you to note the significance of these, this phrase, in these days. The first part of Luke chapter 6 describes Jesus and his disciples walking through a field. And they're hungry. And because they're hungry, they begin to pluck some of the grain as they're walking through this field. And they begin to eat it. The Old Testament law allowed for someone who was traveling and walking through another person's field to take some of the grain and be able to eat some of it. They, they were forbidden to take a sickle and cut down stalks of grain, but they could take their hands and pull off grain and they could eat it as they traveled through. And so Jesus and his disciples were doing this on this particular day, but they were criticized greatly. And the reason that they were being criticized greatly is that they were doing this on the Sabbath. And those that criticized them were the religious leaders. The second part, the second paragraph of Luke chapter 6 is another Sabbath. And on this particular Sabbath, uh, Jesus heals someone. Something needful, something that was good. And as Jesus heals this person, he's criticized again. Why? Because he healed on the Sabbath. And as we look at verse number 11, it says this about the religious leaders. They were filled with fury, and they discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. It was in these days that Jesus went to a mountain and he prayed. He was praying with this realization. People were wanting him dead. He prayed with this realization. His life and ministry would not be a lengthy one. Uh, his ministry, he, he knew, would not be like a pastor that I talked to this week who next year will celebrate 
50 years in ministry. Jesus knew that his ministry would be short and his life would be short. And because of that, he knew of the need to select and call out leaders whom he could entrust with the future of his church and of his kingdom's work. And so what he was praying about was just that. He was praying about the selection of leaders, realizing that his life and his ministry was going to be short. It's, it's similar to this kind of a conversation that perhaps you've had, maybe or maybe not. It's the, if I, would, would, if I were to be hit by a bus conversation. Have you ever heard or had this conversation? If I, were, if I were to be hit by a bus tomorrow, who would take my place? Who would do what I'm doing if, if I was hit by a bus tomorrow? And that conversation often motivates people to think about leadership development within their context, whether it's in a business or whether it's in a ministry. Jesus was thinking in these terms. And so it says he prayed, and he prayed all night, and as a result of his prayer time to the Father and with the Father all night long, the Scripture says he, what followed was that he called or he selected 12 men whom we know to be apostles that he would call to specific and unique ministry leadership roles. Uh, each time I see Jesus praying, and in, here in this particular passage of Scripture, seeing him praying all night, I, I'm again convicted of, of my own prayer life. And I'm reminded that if the Son of God, sinless, perfect Jesus, felt the need to pray, and he prayed all night, how much more do I need to pray? We see in this example set by Jesus that in choosing leaders, uh, we need to pray for their selection. One of the things that Jesus did not do was say, guys, I've put a sign-up sheet down at the dock, and if you would like to be one of my apostles, I want you to sign up. No, Jesus prayed, and through the prompting and leadership of the Father, he had face-to-face -face conversations in selecting these particular people. When stepping into ministry leadership roles, we are to make sure that we are called and led by Jesus. Here's the second thing from this passage of Scripture. Jesus calls us to ever-increasing opportunities to glorify him and fulfill his plan for our life. Look with me at verse 13. And when day came, he called his disciples, and he chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. He called his disciples. Now, a lot of times when we think about the disciples of Jesus, we only think in terms of twelve. But if you'll look with me, if you'll look with me at verse 17, verse 17 of chapter 6 says, And he came down with them, and he stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. 
So what the Bible depicts is that Jesus had a lot more than 12 disciples. And yet on this particular day, he calls this, this gathering, this large group of disciples. And from that large group of disciples, he selected 12 from among them. We are reminded as we look at this passage of the calls, the different types of calls that God places on our lives. As we read the New Testament, we realize that, first of all, Jesus calls us to follow Him and to be saved. In Romans chapter 1, verse 7, uh, we see this, this written, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So the first level of calling that God places upon us is the call to follow Him and the call to be saved. This is a universal call. It's extended to all. John 3 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is at work calling people unto Himself to confess their sins, recognizing that as a sinner they are separated from a holy God, but realizing that in Christ, God provided a sacrifice and a payment for their sin. That He allowed His Son to go to a cross, die upon that cross, not for His own sins, but for ours, to die and be placed in a tomb, and on the third day be raised up from the dead. That we might be extended and offered the gift of grace and eternal life. And the Scripture says if we will place our faith and our trust in Jesus, we will be saved. We will receive His free gift of eternal life and enjoy His grace. That's the, that's the first calling that God extends to us that we are encouraged to respond to. Can you take or have you taken that call? And what's interesting that within that call to be saved is a call to be His church. Uh, it's, it's interesting when you study the word church that the very word in the Greek language literally means called out ones. The church is the called out ones. We could very easily say, and we'd, we'd be rightly so in saying it, that this is Christ's community called out ones. To be called out, what does it mean to be called out and to be a part of His church? It means to be called out from something, and it means to be called out to something. First of all, God calls us from a life of sin and selfishness. And He calls us to follow Him 
and be a part of his kingdom and to be his children and to glorify him with our lives. The call to be saved, the call to be the church and be a part of a local expression of called out ones like Christ Community Church. But there are also other calls that God has placed upon our life. A, a book that's been very helpful to me is a book written by Dr. Jeff Ords. Jeff is the president of Gateway Seminary. And the title of the book is this question, Is God Calling Me? And in this book, Dr. Ords presents three different calls that God extends to Christians. This is the first one. He said, there is the universal call to service that God extends to all Christians. What, what, is that, what does it mean to uh, have God call us to service? And, and by the way, uh, when, when we think about those who are called to service, we're not just referring to people like Blake and, and DJ and our staff, but God has called all Christians to serve Him. We've all been called to full-time Christian service. So what that means is this, that whatever our vocation is, that we are to carry out and live out that, that vocation as if we're serving the Lord and we're serving those people. So if I'm a teacher, if I'm a school teacher, I, I may not teach in a Christian school, but God calls me to be a Christian teacher. He calls me to approach my work, not just as if I'm teaching these children, but I'm, I'm serving them as a representative of Christ, and I'm doing it all for the purpose of glorifying God in it. Last year, I had a ministry assignment in, uh, in Murray, Kentucky. And uh, I was driving down the road going to Murray, Kentucky, just, just about 10 miles within distance of Westside Baptist Church where I was ministering. And uh, I, I see a sign on a fence that catches my eye off to the left of this four-lane highway. And what, what caused me to look over and what caught my eye was on this very large banner was a poop emoji. <laughs> and I noticed that behind the poop emoji banner was a plumbing business. <laughs> and underneath the poop emoji was this caption, When Duty Calls. <laughs> D-O-O-D-Y. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> if I'm a plumber... What it means to be called to Christian service is this, that if I'm a plumber, and I, I, I admire plumbers, by the way. If you're a plumber or a retired plumber in the room, you have my respect. Because when I have to do plumbing around my house, I, I just can't stand it. I do it, but I can't stand it. You, you are a gifted person to be able to do that. But as a plumber, there are times that D-O-O-D-Y calls 
But because you're a Christian plumber, your duty, D-U-T-Y, is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in repairing plumbing items and problems in the homes of people that you go to. All of us are called to full-time Christian service. Uh, Jeff Ord says that there's a second type of call. And he describes this in this way. There is a general call of some believers to ministry leadership. There's a general call to some leaders, to some believers, to ministry leadership. And so I want you to go back to the picture here in the text. Jesus calls His disciples. It's more than twelve. It's a, it's a multitude of disciples. And from among those, and by the way, all of those had been called to service. Some of them were carpenters. That carpenter among that crowd that Jesus called that day was called to do carpentry in serving the Lord. There was another person there that cared for sick people, a doctor. That doctor was called to minister as unto the Lord. But he calls his disciples together, this passage says, and it says, and from among them he appointed twelve, he appointed twelve whom he chose and he named apostles. So what we see here is Jesus extending this general call to ministry leadership to 12 people from among the disciples that were following Jesus at the time. We know that these 12 were entrusted literally with the future of the church. We know that Jesus' ministry was, was short. It was three years. And he died at age 33 on a cross and ultimately ascended into heaven. And what he did in three years was he spent time, he spent time with, particularly with, these 12 men. Another passage when it describes Jesus' and Jesus' calling of these apostles, it says he called them in order that they might be with him. And so he invested a great deal of time in these 12 apostles whom he later, three years later, would entrust them with the very future of his church and his kingdom's work. I, I want to present to you this possibility. And I, I want to put it in the form of a question. Might God be calling you to some aspect of ministry leadership? Have you ever thought about or considered the possibility that God might do in your life what He did in the lives of these twelve among the larger group and gathering of these apostles. On this day, they received more than an interruption through a text that said, can you take a call? On this day, 
their life would be changed pretty radically by Jesus calling out and selecting them as ministry leaders. I, I want to remind you that there is a great need just in our state for God-called people in ministry leadership roles. I looked at a study this week of just Kentucky Baptist Convention churches. Of those who reported on a yearly report called an annual church profile, it's simply a report of attendance and giving patterns, etc. Of all of the churches that were Kentucky Baptist Convention churches that reported their data last year, 77% of those churches were a hundred people or less. Three out of four churches, when gathering, gathered a hundred people on a Sunday or less. And many of those churches, if not most of those churches, are being led by what we would call a bivocational leader. A person who is committed to a regular vocation like a plumber or a teacher who's doing that faithfully as unto the Lord, but also senses a sense of call, a, 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 a deep impression that comes not from within them, but a deep impression that comes from outside of them from God, indicating to them and leading them to something different. Ministry leadership. There's a great need. There's a great need for pastors in our state. There's a great need for bivocational pastors in our state. Not just a great need for preaching pastors bivocationally, but there's a great need for worship leaders bivocationally. There's a great need for children's pastors bivocationally in our state. We're, we're contacted weekly about, do you have any any recommendations for, and the blank is filled in with either a pastor, a worship leader, or a children's minister. And often we have to say, the, I, I wish I had five names for you. I don't. And so I want to present it in the form of a question. Just a, a, a way to perhaps introduce something that Perhaps it might be new to you, but, or it may be something that God is already at work doing in your life. There's, there's this sense of leading and calling that you're already wrestling with and dealing with. There is, that, there is the, such a thing as a general call of some believers to ministry leadership. And then Orge mentions there's a third type of call, and that's a specific call to a unique ministry assignment and place. A specific call to a unique ministry assignment and place. This is where you first experience this general sense of call. I, I feel that God is calling me to be a missionary. And then you begin to understand from the Lord a specific assignment and maybe He'll lead you to a particular country or to a particular people group. 
You may say, I, I, I sense God calling me into pastoral ministry. That's the general sense of call to ministry leadership. And later on, you receive a call, an invitation from a local church to come and actually be their pastor or their worship pastor or their children's minister. I, I can recall in my own life wrestling with this sense that I had a deep impression that didn't come from me, but that God wanted me to be involved in ministry leadership. And to be honest with you, I, I, I would liken myself to Jonah, who ran from God's plan for his life. I tried to make bargains with God. God, I'll be a, I'll be a, I'll be a worker with children in missions. And that'll be good. God, I'll be a chaplain, and I'll do that for you, and that'll, that'll be good. And I, I, I worked in missions with children, and I still was feeling this sense that God was calling me to ministry leadership and to be a pastor at that time. And it wasn't until I, I would call it surrendering to that call, acknowledging, yes, God is at work, and this is real, and I need to respond to Him. I don't need to continue disobeying Him. I need to yield and respond to what He's saying to me in my life. And, and in that time when I did that, I experienced such peace. <clears throat> it was actually peace that lasted about uh, 22 minutes. <clears throat> and here's why it lasted 22 minutes, because I actually went forward in a church service and I declared to my pastor that I was, I called it surrendering to God's call upon my life. And my pastor announced that to the congregation there. And then he announced that I'd be preaching next Sunday night. <clears throat> That's why it lasted 22 minutes. Because I thought it's one thing to say I'm going to follow him. It's another thing to put it in practice next Sunday night. And I always say next Sunday night I preach the Shortest message of my life, 10 minutes with a five-minute pause in between there. <laughs> but yet I, I began this journey of knowing I'm, I'm following God's call. In the middle of all of that running, I, I, I was at University of Kentucky. I'm a, big, I'm a big Cats fan. I was there in the middle of it. Kyle Macy was playing at the time I was there. And... I was in the middle of all of that, but I was running from God. And I can remember God made me so miserable that in the middle of a semester, in the middle of a class, I got up and I quit college. And I walked over to the registrar's office and I said, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm leaving UK. All the while God was leading me, calling me to ministry leadership. There's this universal call to all of us who are Christians to serve Him with whatever our vocation is. Sometimes there's a general call that comes to be involved in ministry leadership. And once you follow that call, God then gives a specific call to a unique ministry assignment. It's, it's interesting to note this about His calling on these 12 on this particular day. It says he called them to be his apostles. 
The, the word apostle means one sent. One sent. So the assignment he was going to give them is he was going to call them and then he was going to send them into the world. And that's exactly what he did. He, he sent them to lead the effort that he gave vision for when he said in Acts 1.8, You'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And they were leaders of that Christian movement. They began to plant churches and proclaim the gospel. And many were saved and many became discipled. And communities and Literal areas and territories and nations were impacted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because these twelve were sent. I want you to realize that as, as Christians, there's a sense in which all of us have been sent. I, I was in a conference recently and Eric Allen was leading every church on mission, and Eric shared this in his teaching. He said, our God is a sending God. And he began to teach on, he began with Abraham, how God called Abraham and sent him. And then he went to Moses and he talked about how God called Moses out of the burning bush and he sent him to free the people of Israel. God is a sending God. And God has sent us. You may not be an apostle, but this is a true statement about Christians. We are an apostolic people. In John 20, Jesus said this, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. You've been sent. You've been sent to represent Jesus in your neighborhood, at your workplace, with the people that you encounter every single day of life. You're His representative. You're His ambassador. You've been sent by the King. But all, God also calls people for certain types of ministry leadership whom He sends. Some of them He sends to the far reaches of the earth. I'm, I'm grateful today that we support over 3,600 international missionaries through our giving through the cooperative program. Today, over 3,600 missionaries are serving throughout the globe faithfully because people like you give faithfully to our church and our church gives to missions. And we have sent them. We support them. Not only in Honduras, but we support them in Africa and China and other parts of the world. So here's the question. What is God calling me to today? What is God calling me to? I've talked about these different types of calls. Here's the third thing. Jesus chooses a variety of different kinds of people with differing personalities, differing life experiences, and differing backgrounds. Look at verses 14 and 15. And I want you to note, as we read these again, just note the diversity. Note what we don't see here. God does not have a cookie-cutter type person that He calls to represent Him in Christian leadership. 
God calls a, a varied group of people. Look here. Simon, who's, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother. Let me stop there and just say, <clears throat> he called a man who was very outgoing <laughs> to the point that often he had what I'd call foot and mouth disease. He'd just open his mouth and change feet because he was, you, you never had to doubt what Simon Peter was thinking. And yet he also called his brother, who was more reserved, who, who was not the one speaking in public, but was often the one behind the scenes doing in just as important work as Simon Peter was doing. He calls introverts, he calls extroverts. He calls people who could talk to a fence post and they, it didn't matter if they talked back and he, talks, he calls people who are listeners. And James and John. This text doesn't include it, but uh, another one of the Gospels says this about these two. James and John, the sons of Boangeres, meaning sons of thunder. Some people you have to motivate. Some people you have to hold back. James and John were hold back type guys. They were self-motivated people. They were the let's go, let's charge hell with a water pistol and let's go today type people. And Bartholomew and Matthew. Matthew, by the way, was a tax collector. Considered by many Jews as a traitor because he collected taxes for Rome. Many tax collectors not, didn't just collect taxes for Rome, but they, they put a little bit under the table for themselves. And so they were highly hated, mistrusted people whom many declared traitors. And yet Jesus called Matthew to follow him. He called Thomas. We, we call him Doubting Thomas, but he just wanted to see. He wanted, he wanted proof when they said, Jesus is alive. He said, I won't believe until I am able to put my fingers in the scars of his hands and his side. And Jesus showed up the second time and said, go ahead. Go ahead. He called James the son of Alphaeus. And Simon, who was a zealot. That word zealot in our modern day language would be, he was a nationalist. He hated Romans. Zealots often carried under their cloak a, an, a, a weapon or a sword. And they were committed to kill traitors. And yet here in the same group of disciples and in the same group of people who were called into ministry leadership, you had a person who was seen by many, Matthew, the tax collector, as a traitor, and you had one, Simon the Zealot, who was previously committed to taking the lives of traitors. And you had them all in the same room, all in the same band of apostles who were sent to lead God's church in his kingdom. What did this group have in common? They're so different. They're so diverse. They're not a cookie-cutter group of people. What did this group have in common? Here's one thing they had in common. They were all unlikely people. You know, if, if we'd lived during the birth of Jesus and we'd had any input on where do you think the Son of God should be born, none of us would have chosen Bethlehem. 
If any of us had, had been given opportunity to give input on who do you think should be called to be an apostle to lead the church upon Jesus' death, to lead the kingdom and the movement that Jesus started, none of us would have chosen these 12 people. They were all unlikely people. But here's the inter interesting thing about God. God often chooses ordinary people and through them He does extraordinary things in order that he might get the glory. Most people, if not all people, who sense a call of God upon their life feel inadequate, feel unworthy, feel I'm not the type. And yet God calls ordinary people. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 4, the disciples were brought into the authorities. They'd heard that 5,000 people had responded to their preaching. They heard that a man was miraculously healed. They called in the disciples and they rebuked them. And the scripture says they noted that they were, uh, the King James is more harsh, they were ignorant and unlearned. ESV is more uh, soft and it says they were uneducated and common men. They weren't highly educated. They weren't wealthy. They were, they were unexpected people, and yet God works through ordinary, unexpected people in order to do great things. Here's what they did note about those that they said they're, they're ignorant and unlearned, they're uneducated and common. Here's what they did note in Acts 4. They noted that they had been with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus. Main qualification to be an effective person who represents Christ at your workplace, whatever your vocation. Main qualification if you're involved in ministry leadership is this. You've been with Jesus. There's a fourth thing, final thing. Jesus calls us to start and finish well. Verse 16. And Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. I, I don't understand all that I want to about the choosing of Judas in the original 12 apostles. I just know it was God's plan. I just know this, that Jesus prayed, and as a result of His praying, He was led of the Father to choose Judas, who became a traitor. It was God's plan. It was God's plan that one betray Him. It was God's plan that when Jesus would go to the Garden of Gethsemane and pray so intently about what was before him, his death and, and the cross, that he would literally sweat drops of blood, that Judas would be uh, bargaining with religious leaders and would say, for 30 pieces of silver, if you'll give me 30 pieces of silver, I'll take you to where he is. 
And I'll show you the very person he is by giving him a kiss. And in kissing him, you'll know it's Jesus and you can take him to be tried. And that's exactly what he did. He became a traitor. Not all leaders that start well finish well. Eleven of these twelve finished well. If you read church history, you realize that most of these lived for Christ until their martyrdom and death. They died believing in and following and proclaiming the Lord Jesus. Eleven finished well. One became a traitor, and the Scripture tells us that he hung himself. And what's interesting in this verse, it says he became a traitor. He became a traitor. When I read that, I was reminded of what Jesus said to this group initially. He said, if you'll follow me, I will make you to become, there's that same word, I will make you to become fishers of men. And so it's important, it's important what we are becoming. As important as who we are and what we are is who and what we are becoming. What and who are you becoming? As we close this time today, what is God calling you to? Is He calling you to place your faith and trust in Him and become a child of His? Is He calling you to move your commitment from attending here at Christ Community Church to saying, I want to begin the process of being fully committed as a, as a church member involved here in this body of called out believers? I want to live out my calling of being called out by Christ. Is He calling you to serve Him through your vocation, to, to have a different perspective on your work, to see it as an opportunity to live sent, whether you're a teacher or a plumber, whatever you are, to live as one sent on mission by a holy God. Is He calling you today to some area of Christian leadership and ministry? My encouragement is that you follow and respond to His sense of call in your life. Dr. Orge, in his book, Is God Calling Me, said this. He said, when God calls you, life choices must be made in the context of answering that call. Because that sense of call brings you new information. It brings a new sense of responsibility in His kingdom. And it means that it's your turn to get involved 
in response to his calling. And he said this, the safest place to be in the world is in the center of God's call. Would you stand with me and join in prayer with me? Lord, we confess today that uh, we did not choose you, but that you chose us. You, you reached out to us. You, you brought about a sense of conviction in our life. You opened our minds to the gospel. You, you gave us spiritual life, and you allowed us to respond to the call to become your followers, to be your children, and to be saved. Father, for those that are here today who are thinking about that, have not yet placed their full faith and trust in you, I pray that this, this time of, of invitation might be a, the very time that they would move from considering to actually following and placing faith and trust in Jesus. Lord, I, I pray for all of us that you'll help us all to see uh, our vocations as a blessing, as an opportunity to represent you, to serve you, to use your gifts and who you've made us to glorify you and to serve others. Father, I pray that among those that are here today, that I pray, Lord, that you will work to call out ministers and missionaries, people who will respond to ministry leadership, within your church in some way. I pray, Father, for those who are already wrestling with that and beginning to think through that and consider that. I pray for clarity. I pray, Father, for courage. I pray for just an acknowledgement of your will in their life. Lord, you told us to pray this, so I'm praying it this morning. You, you said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. And so, Lord, as I look at just our state, I realize that we lack laborers. We need laborers. Father, would you raise up and send forth laborers? Would you send forth pastors and worship leaders and children's workers? And Would you raise up missionaries and would you raise up those who would lead in Christian organizations and Christian ministries, Lord? Would you raise up and send them that Kentucky and the world might be reached with the gospel to your glory and to the fame of Jesus Christ? Lord, I thank you that in just a moment we're going to place in our hands a a piece of bread. And it's going to represent the fact that you, Lord Jesus, gave your very life. You gave your body to be laid down on a cross, to be nailed to that cross, to be raised up between heaven and earth. That body bled. We thank you that when we take that cup in our hands, that it represents the blood, the precious blood of Jesus Christ.
spilt not from a sinner, but spilt from one who died for sinners like me. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And may we remember what you've done. May we celebrate what you are doing in calling us as people sent. And we anticipate your imminent return as we partake of this Lord's Supper in a moment. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of giving as we give today. We thank you that we give in response to you as a not only a sending God, but you're a giving God. And we thank you for the resources that we enjoy because of your graciousness. And as we give back today, we do so in gratitude for your provision and for your ownership. We ask all of these things in the name of Jesus and for his sake we pray. Amen. Hey, DJ again. Thanks for joining us at the canteen and listening to this week's message. Uh, we hope it was helpful to you and that you're encouraged and challenged as we set out this week to walk the walk of faith together, joining Jesus in going outside. Uh, if you're a part of Christ's community, hey, let's let's lean into this. Let's not let this just be an academic exercise, but let's apply what we've heard today. How can you be applying this truth in your life this week? If you're not part of the Christ Community family, we're glad that you joined us, glad that you found us, and we hope that uh, that this message was helpful to you as well. One encouragement we would give you, if you're not part of a local church, uh, please don't use these resources as a substitute for that. It is a pale imitation of the real thing as we live in community with one another. So if you're in the Shelbyville area, we'd love to have you come out and join us. But wherever you are, find a local church, get plugged in an experienced Christian community as it was meant to be, and continue to use these resources to supplement that journey. But please don't replace it. Thanks for joining us this week. Grab your backpack, and I will see you on the trail. Thanks for listening to The Backpack, a production of Christ Community Church. The Backpack is hosted by DJ Williams, Daniel Bright, and Josiah Ward. You can learn more about Christ Community Church at loveshelbyville.com.